Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill their promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects 
vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings right here on The Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com, rdgable at yahoo.com. Find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. And check out our website at www.thesecretteachings.info where you can find our full show archive, all of my books, and more. Again, www.thesecretteachings.info. Today is May 4th, 2021, still broadcasting from the Phoenix area of Arizona. Last night on the broadcast, we did an updated travel show. As most of you know, The Secret Teachings is traveling across the country. Tonight we are not live. We are broadcasting early in the morning, which I guess we're always broadcasting early in the morning, but we're recording this early in the morning on the 4th of May because earlier... Uh, this morning was the best opportunity we had to record. We're going to go, uh, going to be going to the Grand Canyon later on today and uh, stopping in Sedona, Arizona, and probably going to a little organic cafe there as well. So we've got a big day ahead of us, and we decided to do some radio early this morning. And uh, we had some things that we had been writing down to talk about as we traveled across the country. I'm also here with my, uh, my partner, my friend, my fiance, Hope, and uh, I wanted to talk with Hope about this today because, and I know that it might have been a surprise to some people that I was engaged because I don't talk a lot about my personal life on radio. Was it surprising to you that I dropped that bomb, Hope? I was a little bit surprised because in the past you had talked about not wanting to really put that out there for fear of people put, like wishing you harm or wishing whatever. Me, wishing me ill. Mm-hmm. But I'd done it and the response has been magnificent. And I, I thanked everybody. If you didn't hear it, I thanked everybody who sent us an email and congratulations. Uh, we should probably thank the red jumpsuit apparatus to the band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was really surprised to see that. I was like, no way. I used to, is that that band? Like I used to listen to them you when I was a kid. Them. So yeah, thank you guys for wishing us well. And so I thanked everybody. I didn't thank them last night. I wanted you to thank them because <laughs> you used to listen to them. Yeah. So thank you, red jumpsuit apparatus for the well wishes on the engagement. Really appreciate it. So we had a really great response because of that. And in our travels, we've been taking notes as we've traveled, different show ideas. I touched on some of them last night. And tonight I wanted to expand on that with hope because when we first started talking, the way that we met and got together, uh, I don't remember exactly what drew me out of the back room of the produce section at the store that we work at, but something drew me out of that back room. And that's when I first started talking to you. It was before we opened. You were up front at the register. And I, I don't know. You can tell the story. We started talking about things immediately that were very heavy. Yeah, you were in a really heated mood that day. You were Something must have happened that day. They must have released that they were I was working reading on the a news. vaccine or something. And you were just came out like guns blazing. Like, how can you let this happen? Like, this is all going to lead to this. Blah, 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 blah. And, and this was like what last... No, September? No, August, yeah, like probably. August, probably around like August, September. Of 2020. 
I remember coming out and I, I had my phone and I had looked up a couple of articles. So I was heated because of the articles. Mm-hmm. And then this is what we were going to talk about tonight. But I thought because of the engagement, we would also tell this short story because it relates to what we've been seeing as we've traveled across the country. And what, what exactly was it? I would like you to explain it. I think you had mentioned that this is kind of like your whole theory is that with the vaccine and everything, it's kind of like a eugenics program and it's just yes. trying to depopulate the human population. And I was like, well, yeah, like the world's a little overpopulated anyway. And you were like, oh, threw your hands up and like walked away. And you're like, this is just another person that I'm not going to get through to. Like I'm, I have nothing in common to it talk w- to. It was in my head. I threw my hands up in my head. I was like, oh, there's another one. Mm-hmm. And I did assume, I assumed you were an environmentalist who was like anti-human when you said that. And so I walked away. (laughs) (laughs) But a few minutes later, I like went back to the produce room and I was like, hey, I just wanted to clarify what I meant. It's not that there's too many people on the planet. It's more so that the distribution of people is skewed and we're all centralized in cities when in reality there's so much land that can be used. It's just an issue with population distribution as well as distribution of resources. And when you said that, I said to myself, I've got to talk to this girl more. <laughs> and that started a, uh, a, a positive snowball effect. Mm-hmm. And then I think the next time the you next came morning in, I had come, we, I came in and you asked me about the food that I brought and we started talking about food. And then I mentioned chemtrails and, and then the chemtrails and it was, it was on <laughs> Yeah. after you mentioned chemtrails. What did you know about any, any of that stuff though? Did you, were those like your original thoughts in relationship to the population Mm-hmm. And resources, like those are things you thought or things that you had read or things that a little bit of both? A little bit of both, but that was just the general opinion I had landed on. See, that to me, that, that was unique because although in radio and with the listeners that listen to this show and other radio shows that are similar, I know that we share a very similar point of view in that it's not that we believe that the planet is overpopulated or that there are few resources or that there's a lacking of food, whatever, whatever the argument might be. Because in politics, there's this extreme. You either hate the environment or you love the environment so much that you want to get rid of humans to preserve the environment. It's kind of counterproductive, I guess. And then we find a place to meet in the middle where we can agree that, well, I don't agree with dumping toxic chemicals into the environment. I don't, I mean, it's the same thing with the healthcare system. You're going to keep people healthy by injecting poison into their body. That doesn't make any sense. Or taking poisonous pills and pharmaceutical drugs, that doesn't make any sense. So you meet in the middle and you realize, well, there are resources. There's plenty of resources and there's plenty of land. Why exactly are there international groups and why exactly are there even, even on Netflix, you can watch just documentaries, just trashing the human species and saying that we need to eliminate most of the population. And now with the so-called COVID-19 pandemic, we've seen all the things that people like myself and others, most of you listening, have seen for years in white papers and you can read them in books on the UN's website. I mean, they're all over the place. People like Bill Gates, where they tell you they're, they're going to reduce the world's population. The planet's overpopulated and they believe they are the rightful heirs to the planet. That sounds incredible because most of us are just struggling to pay bills. These people are literally trying to run the world you can call it a conspiracy. We wondered what it would take to get to this point. And I guess all it took was a, a semi-real, semi-fake COVID-19 pandemic. And here we are with the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset and the 
distribution of resources going they're going to be even further restricted because the World Economic Forum says you're not going to own any land, you're not going to own any property, and I think they said you're going to love it. Yeah, you're not going to own anything and you'll like it. Which is what Aldous Huxley said. He said, we're working on ways to get people to love their servitude. And that was over 50 years ago. And now the World Economic Forum is saying the same thing. You're not going to have, you're going to have to have everything done in home. You get a universal basic income. And it's like, how did, how did we get to that point? All it took was a little bit of fear. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you this, we drive across the country and you realize, as you've pointed out to me, just like that first conversation we had at the, at the cooperative grocery store we work at before we started talking more and, and, and got to know each other, the, the planet is not overpopulated. There is so much land. Because I think you mentioned when we were driving across Texas, like the whole world population could fit in the state of Texas or yeah, something yeah. with like a square acre. I, I can't remember the exact number. I've, actually, I should look it up. Let me look it up on my computer. But yes, it's literally Texas, any state. And, and in some states like Texas, I don't know if it's just the, the current world population. I think it's the world population um, estimated for the next few decades. We're talking like upwards of 9, 10, 12 billion people could fit in a state like Texas and have enough space to have their own garden, to have their own property. Now, obviously, that's not a practical thing. But the point is, there's plenty of room. That's just Texas. That's just, there's, there's, there's a study, I think it was done by the Oklahoma government. There was a report about, I think it was Oklahoma. I'm going to look it up, though. Uh, Oklahoma, Florida. Florida is so enormous. Mm-hmm. Well, Ryan, there's Everglades there. I get that. You don't want to live in the, the Everglades with the giant bugs and the alligators. That's not the point. The point is there's plenty of land. Those are just Florida and Texas, two states. We got 48 other states. Alaska's pretty big. And you got the rest of the world. There's plenty of land. I'm not saying it ideologically, sure, you could say it's an ideological argument, but there's plenty of land. That's the point. Mm-hmm. There's tons of land. I mean, we drove through how many 14, 15 hours of, of, of just no land in Texas? Mm. It's just, just so much ranch land. Or and, tons of land, rather. But, yeah, it's ranch land. It's dedicated to like agriculture. This isn't a shot at animal agriculture or anything like that, but it's just that land is dedicated to that, and people tend to forget that it exists, I feel like. They're like, oh, it, if it, the animals are on it, it's it doesn't count towards land that's usable, and that, I guess is true. True, that, that that's true, but the point it's is there's, occupied, there's still land. It's still there. We could reallocate how much land we dedicate to that kind of thing or like move people into less ideal living, con- it's not less ideal living conditions, but people just naturally want to congregate because we're communal beings and it just so happens that now it's on a much larger scale and we're living in cities that have millions of people in them. And those are the cities that, politically speaking, tend to be more environmentally moved. They like the environment because they tend to be left-leaning. And it's unfortunate because just like the people that are pouring out of California because of the policies and the outcomes of those political policies, they think if they go somewhere else, things will be better. But then they bring their same political ideology with them, and then that just trashes the places that they move to. And there tends to be a more environmentalist attitude for people that are leaning to the left. And it's really unfortunate because those are the people that then live in the big cities where you have the most filth, the most pollution, the most everything that's just negative and bad and gross and disgusting, trash and feces and needles, etc. 
So it's no wonder they want to clean up their environment. But the rest of the world, the rest of the United States is not like that. Texas is a very, very clean state. Mm -hmm. Places like Florida might not be so clean. They're pretty, it's kind of trashy, but there isn't the same kind of air pollution that you would get in Los Angeles or San Francisco. I just want to know why that is. Why are the most environmentally friendly places the most unfriendly to the environment? I've noticed that. I don't know. Have you noticed that or is that just me? I have noticed that, but I do think it has something to do with the amount of people living together because then you can see the extent of how much like garbage and pollution a single person produces and it's just multiplied by however many people are living in that city and just because it's so condensed in that area it looks like it's a lot more true very true and i think also that if you're if you're going to say that we have so much land so we could reallocate land that's not what i'm saying because that is literally the definition of communism i'm not saying reallocate land i'm saying mm -hmm. that there's enough land. Now, what you do with that statement and with that fact is totally up to you. Mm -hmm. I'm not projecting even my opinion. I'm just stating a fact. And by the way, I found it. Uh, this is Oklahoma. This is from my book, The Technological Elixir. Uh, at, at the time of writing, 8 billion people could fit into single states in the United States of America with plenty of room for growth. Now, that obviously doesn't mean everybody wants to live in a single state. That's not the point. You take the state of Oklahoma, which according to the Oklahoma Department of Agriculture covers roughly 69,903 square miles. The state of Alaska covers nearly 663,268 square miles, enough room for every human to be given a, a, an even larger number of square feet to live in. Uh, that land is just obviously in the United States and could theoretically be divided to house every one of the 8 billion people now alive for the entire planet. You could live in Alaska, you could live in Oklahoma, you could live in Texas, you could live in Florida. There's plenty of land. You drive across the country, you see nothing for literally hours. A gas station pops up, a restaurant pops up, you know, the restaurants that say just say food. Mm -hmm. You don't even know what kind of food, it's just food. <laughs> you see one of those, you see one that says gas, you know, lodge. Yeah, the gas stations that just say like bread, milk, bread. eggs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but there's not that. The point is driving across the country, and I've seen this before because I've moved across the country twice, and now we're taking a cross-country trip. There's so much land available. Again, it's a fact. You can do with it what you will. There's tons and tons and tons and tons of land. I am not suggesting reallocating land and having government control that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm totally opposed to that. I don't know about you. I'm opposed to that, but there's plenty of land available. That's the point. Yeah, I wasn't suggesting it when I mentioned it. I was just saying that there is room for people out in the mountains, in the desert, in the country. And if people weren't just so drawn, and I understand because there isn't enough infrastructure at the moment to house people out in the middle of the desert. Like we've of course. seen it, there's nothing for miles. Of course, there's not very much in the but desert. But that land does exist. There's not much in the desert. There's not much in, 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 in any rural space, whether it's desert or it's you know forest or whatever. I'm not saying that those are places that we should go populate. Again, that's not the point. But here's something that a listener sent us last night, uh, or maybe earlier into this morning. Uh, Von Davis, who I assume lives here in Phoenix, uh, or the Phoenix area, and uh, he said it would be great if you two decided you're part of the two. You're part of the two, Hope. Oh, thank you. <laughs> if you two decided to settle in Arizona, but don't forget to consider the negative aspects before you do. He said, I've lived here all of my life, and some of those Minuses are causing me to consider relocating myself. And he said the, the big one is because of the water problem here. He said the entire East Valley from Mesa to Phoenix has water contaminated with 
chromium six and it gets worse every single year. He said, I love this place, but you are correct that Californians and others from liberal states are contaminating the local politics with their different views compared to when I was growing up here. It's way more questionable if the leadership will make sensible choices regarding governance. However, compared to LA or New York, (laughs) it's a no, it's a no brainer. Uh, if you do leave, um, or if I ever do leave, I will be looking for a place with better water availability. Now, I knew the water wasn't that great in Tucson because I had a ProPure filter and like the, the spigot on it calcified within a matter of weeks of living <laughs> here. And I thought that's, that's through a water filter. Right. <laughs> that's not very good. Obviously, living in the desert like this, it's not like Vaughn pointed out. It's not meant to sustain. I mean, I don't know what relatively speaking would be a large number of people, but a large number of people. I mean, it's all artificial. It's not, there's not supposed to be grass and trees and stuff like that here, especially things that don't even grow in the desert. Right. I've been really confused seeing water parks. There's a lot of water I've parks. I've seen a in lot Phoenix. of water parks what in Arizona. Gu- what are you guys doing with the water parks in Arizona? That doesn't seem right. No. That seems like a Portland, Seattle thing. You got enough water up there. Right. You got a lot of rain up there. What? I, you're right. I noticed that too. There like, are, like multiple. I've, I, think I know we have like one, we have two. In up, New York? Up, yeah, we have like. Sea Breeze and Roseland, but I was really surprised to see so many water parks. I was like, isn't there like not water in the desert? <laughs> How do <laughs> you guys get an, this? Yeah. Not enough for a water park. Right. We saw two just going north of Phoenix. So there was there were two, I think, on the way up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what what is it with the water parks? <laughs> I, did, I didn't really think much about that before the show, but there's a lot of water parks. So the water I know was bad in Tucson. And I, from what Vaughn was saying and what I've read, the water's even worse here in Phoenix. I'd rather com- I'd rather have an issue with water than have an issue with virtually everything in New York. You know what I mean? I mean that's me. How many times have people like honked at us oh, or like so apologized? Many times, so many times. Like we were driving a Walnut Canyon yesterday and we stopped to get gas and somebody like pulled up behind me at the pump and he was like, oh, New York, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, yep. Yeah, I know. Me too. New York, California, people hate those states. <laughs> they just know and they feel bad. Like they, they genuinely feel bad that we're from there. And I saw that guy. He did feel bad. <laughs> our one friend um, that we were visiting who used to work at the co-op, he moved to Tucson. He said that people would like roll down his window, roll down their windows and like yell at him as he's driving just like. Because he's got New York yeah, plates. Yeah, like talking bad about Biden and stuff like that. Because he has New York plates. That's funny because New York obviously isn't, I mean, it is a liberal state, but most of the state is red. It's just like. The cities. It's Rochester. It's New York City. And it's like what probably Albany, Schenectady, Mm -hmm. I would assume are all liberal places. But but yeah, Buffalo. Which is the reason we have multiple states because then if New York City got to vote and decide what everybody else did, then New York would get all of the power. New York City would get all the power and no other place in New York, all the rural areas where a lot of people live would get no voice or no say in anything. Mm -hmm. And that's just a piece of how our government is supposed to work. So I don't like when people say we should abolish the electoral process and just let the big population centers decide. Because as you know, big population centers might have a lot of people, but when you travel across the country, all that rural area and all the millions of people living there, you know, spaced out, but living there, get no voice or no say in anything. It would literally just be Los Angeles and New York City and Miami and Houston that would control the politics and the government and the lifestyle of everybody else in the country. That's not right. That's not fair. That's the way it's supposed to work. Uh, With land distribution, 
and the way that things are set up, I personally feel that it's just a byproduct of human development. As you said, we want to congregate with people and we, we have a sense of community. I don't see it as some big conspiracy. I don't even see it as some kind of like negligent human behavior. I just see it as a natural progressive thing. And that's really it. I don't know. What do you think about it? No, I agree 100%. Like, we are just drawn to community, and that's how humans are. And that's part of why they're like, you can't see your family. You can't, you have to be six feet apart. It's because it goes against like human nature in that way. And it's nobody's fault. It's just kind of grown out of hand. So, what's the, what's the solution? Because I have, I have an opinion with two perspectives that I want to share, but what, what's your solution? If you have, if there's too many people in a, pl- in a place, do you have any idea what we can do about that? Do you think government should make that decision or do you think people should make that decision? I think it's up, I think it should be left up to the people. Like people like you and I, I feel like we've kind of realized like you moved out of the city a while ago and I'm actually going to be moving out to the country with you when we get back from the trip because I can't handle living in the city. Did you think that before you met me? Did you just not like living in the city even before you met me? I I liked living in the city because I liked being close to Mm -hmm. where I worked, but I didn't really grow any sense of community when I was living in the city. You kind of grew up outside the city anyway, Mm -hmm. didn't you? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll go to the city, try it out. But I like privacy. I don't like sharing walls with people. I don't like hearing people walking down the street at night like drunk people because I lived down the street from like a bar. Now, I okay, so there's a couple of things I think we can do here. Number one, if you have if you have a discussion on the solution to this problem, people that lean in one political direction, not blue or red, but people that lean in one political direction would say, we need the government to decide what happens. We need the government to restrict land usage so we can't destroy the natural environment and we need to put more and more people in bigger compact cities and we need to control what they eat control how they can move around the city control how much they can they can travel we need to control what they think and what information they have access to what they can read what they can write if they're even able to write because in obviously 1984 you couldn't write you couldn't you couldn't do anything it was all illegal so And we need to surveil them, of course, 24 hours a day. That's how we control them. That's how we save the planet. That's how we save resources. Now, that is a dystopian nightmare to me. I think that there's a middle ground to this problem. And I think the solution is, as an individual, when you recognize that's the problem and you recognize there's too many people in one space, not enough resources, find a way yourself to get out of that situation and take an individual, make an individual choice and move out of that situation. That doesn't mean move out to the middle of nowhere and start your own commune. If you want to do that, great. But I think it's left up and it should be left up to the individual to do that. Now, can government uh, assist in that? Yeah, if I was the president, I think I would do something to the effect of I would I would analyze how much available space there is and how much we have, um, you know, you know the, that the BLM, for example, controls. I would see how much available space there is and I would do something similar to what I've read that Russia is doing. They're opening up, because Russia is enormous. Mm-hmm. There's so much land there. They're opening up parts of the country that the government controlled and they're giving people thousands of dollars to move to those rural areas and they're giving them basically all the equipment and all the money they need to start their own, either a farm or to start their own little communities. It's not communism. It's not a commune. It's literally the government subsidizing the expansion from the big cities. 
I think that's a positive thing if it's done that simply. Right. I'm not saying the government should be paying you to do something, but if they're trying to solve a problem rather than sending you know, troops to your city to quarantine you from going out into the country because we can't damage the poor wildlife out there, let's expand a little bit and do it on an individual basis. I think that's the healthy relationship between government and people, not authoritarianism and not people doing things like, remember when Joshua Tree was locked uh, and, and closed a couple of, was it like a year or two ago? And people just went out into Joshua Tree and they started breaking the Joshua Trees and literally defecating all over the property. The government's there to protect that because that's uh, unfortunately what morons would, would do. There's got to be a healthy balance between the two. I don't know. What do you think? Well, this just reminded me, I think you mentioned a few weeks ago about, I believe it was Oklahoma. Oklahoma. They were like offering people a certain amount of money to come move there. Oh, yeah. If they like worked online or whatever. I think it was, yeah, it was Oklahoma and then West Virginia was doing the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. They're giving people like $10,000. You have to live there for like a solid year. And I think Oklahoma was, I think it was Oklahoma, but they were, West Virginia was basically no stipulation. You just move there. Uh, they have places that you can go. They give you some money and they just want to build, sm build smaller communities. Up, yeah. Build the economy. Exactly. And I think it was Oklahoma was doing the same thing, but I think you had to live in Oklahoma for like one to five years. Right which is like a prison sentence for me, probably. <laughs> I don't think I want to live in Oklahoma, but better than New York. Right. <laughs> Way better than New York. So those, those are positive things. It's basically incentive. You're right. It's the government giving an incentive to do... It's like they subsidize dairy and they subsidize meat. If, you sub, that would, if I was the president, that would be the first thing I would do immediately. I would subsidize vegetables and subsidize farming for those kinds of things. Subsidize organic farming. Turn things around pretty quick. It would be a public health policy. Gov that's what government is supposed to do. Unfortunately, that's not what government in most places is doing. And people want government to take control. There's too many people. Oh, my God. Well, rather than you making a decision to consume less and you making a decision to live a less extravagant lifestyle and to live more simply where you're in control of what you do, you want government to do it for you. And when government does it, government always does it because every, to government, everything is, you know, every problem is a nail and all they've got is a hammer. They're going to smash it down. And once they get that authority... They're not going to relinquish that authority. And it's not just the United States government. Now we basically have a de facto world government with the World Economic Forum telling you you're not going to own anything. You're going to like it. You're not going to have a house. You're going to basically live in a commune with no possessions. Everything will be communal. And it's somehow people are still like, why are you saying that's, that's not communism? No, that is literally the definition of communism. And that's literally what the World Economic Forum wants to do. I just find that astounding. But people are all about it because we've got to save the environment. Yeah, I think it all comes down to people wanting to be taken care of in a sense and be told what to do. Oh, that's so true. And nobody, so wants, true. nobody wants to take personal responsibility. And I know I've mentioned this before with food and whatnot and taking care of your health, but people just, they just don't want to. They don't want to have that responsibility on themselves. So then if they fail, it's on them. So then it's left up to people like you listening, people like myself, people like Hope who are aware of these things, who, who don't base our views and our decisions and our concern for environmental issues off of some narrow, rigid political opinion or some red or blue tie. It's up to us to make better decisions. I guess you could use the word, I don't like it, but to live more sustainably. That's, that's the way that I look at it. It's, it's me. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I, you know, I, when people, um, it's mostly people in my personal life that I've interacted with. It's, it's never a listener because people that listen don't see what I do in my personal life. 
but I, I've had people in my personal life, not just at the co-op, you know, some cases, but people that they, they think that you're like some extremist uh, Republican or conservative because you have a different view on some environmental thing. Yet these are people that are driving big SUVs. These are people that are, that are getting their Starbucks every morning with their plastic cups. And I'm thinking like, you know, I just literally bought a car like two years ago for the first time in, in years since I had my Prius. I've only owned, <coughs> you all right? Yeah, sorry. That's, that's all right. It's, it's live radio. <coughs> I've had a, I've had two cars in my life. I've walked everywhere for a majority of my life or taken the bus. You know, I live very, very simply. I live, quote unquote, sustainably. But I don't get any credit for that because I'm not a bleeding heart conservationist, environmentalist with a blue arm patch that says I care about the environment. And if I'm not screaming about how much I care, I don't get the credit. The difference is I don't need the credit. I'm going to live that way regardless because it, to me it makes sense. I don't need to tell people that I'm living that way. Does that make, does yeah, that make sense? It does make sense, but I do see like a flaw in, I guess, our argument is that we're all like, oh, you can only do that if you live in a city, if you live close to... In terms of walking? Yeah, in terms of yeah. walking and biking, you can only do that if you live like in a city, unless you want to bike or walk for miles to get if, if you're living rurally? Right. Well, that's so absolutely true. that's like a sacrifice true. that you have to make. That's absolutely true. And there's, I think there's different options because if you're living rurally like that, like what I would eventually like to do if I have a place that's more rural or a place that's at least open enough to, to, ha to be able to do this, I'd like to have a garden and I'd like to grow my own food and I don't want to go to the grocery store anymore. That's not bourgeois commune hippie. That's just practical to me. Right. That's just, I want to be sustainable because we've seen working in a grocery store, we get food shipped in from all over the place, like oranges from, we get like Florida oranges up there, but then you go to Florida and they're shipped in from Mexico, which is shipped to California to distribute it. And it's just so much, that, so many resources used to bring us food in a grocery store, like that kind of supply chain. But if you go and you buy seeds, you have enough seeds to last you a year or two, because even though they're dated, they'll still, they might plant the next year. And you can grow your own food. All you're doing is walking out to your garden and kale will like grow over kale and over grows and over so again. fast. I know my mom mentioned, she was like, oh, the kale we planted last year, it's already starting to grow. And they got, a, it's like getting ahead of them. And they had the squash thing too, right? They had a lot of squash. Oh, we had so much squash. They've got, squ they're giving squash away. Yeah. So much squash. That's, mm -hmm. that's one garden. See, that's the thing. You don't have to be a hippie, liberal, communist to have a garden. It's, it's freaking practical. Mm -hmm. And even like, this isn't communism. This is just people being neighbors. Like I know their neighbors, they have a pretty good garden. They have a lot of tomatoes, a lot of lettuce. So they'll like trade. They'll just swap goods. And that's kind of, I think what we need to get mm -hmm. move and back towards. That's why communism sounds so good. The difference is if you do that with your neighbor by choice, that's different than the government taking it all and telling you what you can grow, what mm -hmm. you can't grow how much you can grow, how much you have to give to the government. There's a big right. difference. There. there is a big difference. And I think people just need to make that decision for themselves. And I think that's the bottom line. I want to pause for a moment to let you know that you're listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable, your host. I'm also here with my, my good friend and my fiance, Hope. We are traveling and broadcasting this morning from Phoenix, Mesa, Arizona. We're going to the Grand Canyon here in a little bit. We'll probably do another show tomorrow as well about our experience up there if we have time. If we don't, 
Uh, we'll probably do another show this week or early next week on our travel log. This is travel log number four, and it's on May 4th, 2021 for dating purposes. And you can go to our website at www.thesecretteachings.info to get access to the full show archive when you donate or subscribe to the show. When you donate for uh, the subscription, when you subscribe, you get a one-year subscription to the show. You get access to all the shows. You can download them, stream them. And for the one-year subscribers, you also get a physical autographed copy of my book, Food Philosophy or The Technological Elixir. You can find those books as well on the website. You can read reviews and everything else. You can see the page count and all that information, www.thesecretteachings.info. And if you'd like to contact us, what's that email that they can contact us at? Uh, it's rdgable at yahoo.com. So rdgable at yahoo.com. Everybody thinks it's so funny when I use my, when I give my email out. <laughs> RD, it's Gable like Clark Gable, rdgable at yahoo.com at yahoo.com. Do you like the triple W or WWW? I like the triple W. You like the triple? Yeah, when I first heard you do that, I was like, huh. That's kind of classic radio. Is it? Triple W dot the secret teachings dot info. Facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings as well. On the subject of, of food, we went to an Earth Origins when we were in Florida. Um, I like Earth Origins a lot. Mm-hmm. And we go to Earth Origins, we got like a like a smoothie. They made like a smoothie thing there, an organic smoothie. And uh, we were looking at some of the, the produce and you're in Florida. And I told you in Florida, you can't really get good Florida oranges because mm-hmm. they ship those things to Idaho and then they ship the good Idaho potatoes to Florida. So we were looking at some of those oranges and I think one of those oranges, it was distributed from California, but they were growing in Mexico. And I'm thinking there's literally orange trees on the side of the road in some parts of Florida, mm-hmm. but they're shipping these oranges from Mexico to like San Diego. And then they're flying or driving or whatever they do, probably at a big truck to Florida. That's a long drive. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we getting the oranges from Florida? It's economics. It's business. I get it. But here's the point. That's a waste of resources. Right. It's not quote unquote sustainable. So if you want to support more things that are sustainable or things that are more sustainable, I should say, then that's that's the idea of buying locally. So you're not supporting mm-hmm. Mexican oranges in Florida when you can literally go to a Florida orange stand and buy oranges down the road. Right. And I think that's a big argument that is left out of people who promote veganism. It's like, oh, it's the best thing you can do for the planet is stop eating animal products. It's like, yeah, but also eating local because it really wasn't until I started working in produce that I saw how far everything has to travel to get to our store and we're one tiny little co-op and the amount of waste that we produce i have issues with i try to save all of the all of the veggies that are going bad we we both do mm-hmm. we're like fruit flies we just buzz around any free produce right but and then just imagine that nationwide through much larger stores and there's just like that's the thing we've been doing we've been going to a lot of grocery stores while we've been here we have a reusable bag from everyone we've been to. We've got Earth Origins. We've got Natural Grocers. We've got, what was that, Central Market? Central Market, uh, Seed to Table, Sprouts, get, get, Publix. Get down to Seed to Table. That place is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Maybe if we have time, we'll talk about it. But we've been to all these markets, and mm-hmm. go ahead. But just seeing how much food there is. Like, everywhere we go has full shelves, full grocery oh. store, like, or full produce departments. It's ridiculous. It's unreal. I mean, that, that, yes, not just the land perspective, 
but the food perspective. I mean, that one is even more glaring because you kind of get numb to seeing like so much open land as you drive. Mm-hmm. At least I, I did. I don't know about you, but when you, when it comes to food and you go into a grocery store and like you said, we've been going to so many grocery stores, we all over the country and the abundance of food, organic, conventional, doesn't matter. is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So much food. Like I walked into, to, you didn't go to the central market with me. No, I wasn't feeling good. You were sleeping, sleeping in the car. But we, I went to central market and I've just never seen so much produce, so many mushrooms and so many greens and just stuff. Literally there was stuff piled up. Like there were, there was like a tower of kale. It was literally like, a, a, I did walk in and I saw the tower of kale. It was on ice. Yeah, it was on ice. Mm-hmm. It was so big. And that's one store in Austin, Texas. There's like three other central markets. There's Whole Foods. That's where the headquarters is, I think. I mean, and then you've got Sprouts. We've gone to a few and had issues at Sprouts. I, I used to like Sprouts. That The headquarters, I think, is here in Phoenix. Like They're huge. There's so many grocery stores. There's so much food. There's so many things that are wasted because they just go bad. So again, if you're going to use these arguments, the planet's overpopulated. The planet doesn't have enough resources. No, the planet's not overpopulated. The planet is overcrowded in certain areas. Mm-hmm. It's not up to the government to decide. It's up for you to decide how to solve that problem. The government can work with you, but that is a process that is going to take time. And when it comes to food and resources, there is there are plenty of resources. We just need to allocate them more properly. That is also up to the individual to decide. So instead of buying the Mexican oranges you buy the local oranges. Mm. That's if you want to make that Right, if you want to drive the market, you have to be mindful with where you put your dollar. Yes, and a great example of that was the Kraft macaroni and cheese uh, story. I think I told that in my food philosophy book. Uh, You know, Kraft mac and cheese, they used to put that yellow dye in there. Mm -hmm. All all it took was some aunts and some grandmas and some, some grandpas and some uncles and some moms and some dads and brothers and sisters writing letters to Kraft telling them, we're not buying your product if you don't take that yellow food dye out of there. It's harmful to children because kids eat a lot of mac and cheese, apparently. And uh, Kraft was like, all right, and they took it out. I'm not saying they didn't replace it with something worse, but they took it out because of just a few people. It wasn't like a nationwide movement. It was a few thousand people that wrote to Kraft and said, we're not supporting your business. See, that is the positive component of capitalism and that is the thing that people that, are, that hate capitalism don't talk about is that in, ca- in a capitalist market, the consumer decides. And if the consumer decides, you obviously have all the power. The government doesn't have as much power unless they're subsidizing things, which is I, I have an issue with that mostly. But if you're making the decision, you have the power to, like you said, drive the market. And if you get rid of that capitalist um, economic system, Then you just have government telling you, you can eat that, you can't eat that, you can buy that, you can't buy that. We get 90% of it, you starve to death. That's why in all communist countries where you have that, people literally starve to death and eat their animals like in Venezuela. So this is something that I think is very important. You don't have to be pro or anti anything unless you're talking about common sense and what is practical. And it's different. What's what, you know, the way that you live your life here in Arizona or you live your life in Texas, it's different not just politically, but the decisions you make and the resources you have and the things you have access to. And if you live within a sustainable, by personal definition, a sustainable way, you can make a much more substantial, significant difference in the global and local communities than if you were to give all of your power away to Klaus Schwab and the the World Economic Forum. Because those people are eugenicists, those people are psychopaths, 
They don't want to save the planet and save the animals and save the, the, the plants. They want to control everything, modify everything, patent everything, and have total monopoly over the whole planet. I mean, they're like space aliens if we're going to, if we're going to talk about that, but that's my view. Do you think they're space aliens? I mean, your argument has convinced me quite a bit. That I've, space he- I've heard a lot of talk on that they're space aliens, and it's becoming. It seems more and more realistic I that mean, that's the case. I mean, who else? Is, who else doesn't want to see the human face and wants you to not breathe? Who else wants you to stay away from community and not spe- see your family or speak to them and do everything digitally, like you're in some transhumanist dystopian nightmare where everything has to be done through a computer, where you're like a half, you're like half human, half machine they're like a cyborg i mean we're talking about this is like the borg from star trek folks i mean these 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 are like aliens but you know what i I wanted i wanted to i wanted to shift gears last night we were talking with um, my friend Teresa on the phone and she brought the same exact thing up she was talking about how they what did she call the zones and health zones they like quarantine zones yeah it was like a block or something that you can't leave yeah in, in canada yeah I, I didn't know about these quarantine zones, but I guess in Canada they've quarantined off certain parts. Well, each you know province they've quarantined parts of the province, so you can't leave your 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 respective quarantine zone. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't hear about that. And she was telling us about that, and she mentioned because she lives in in British Columbia, way yeah, Vancouver Island, yeah, yeah, Vancouver Island, way to the west, um, just north of Seattle. And she was saying, and this is in Canada. She was saying they can't leave their zones. Hotels can't even book a hotel room for people that live outside of the health zone. Mm-hmm. Um, Americans can come in as long as they're going to Alaska, which is kind of a fishy, funny thing. Cause you can drive anywhere once you get in and then just lie to the border, border patrol, I guess right. um, that border's still secure. The Southern border's not secure. So that's another thing. But she was saying that uh, there are lots of people from California coming there and they're putting massive amounts of money down on the homes and it's driving the market price up. And she said, she feels that what's going to happen is as the interest rates stay artificially low at some point to make back a lot of the money and to re re stabilize the, the economy, mm-hmm. they're going to raise interest rates, which will be like in 2008. And that'll drive, you know, so many tens, hundreds of thousands of people out of their homes and it'll help to reconsolidate wealth for the big banks. Remember she mentions that. And I'm thinking, well, that's what Jack told us on the phone. Right. That's and that's an, what my uh, aunt and uncle told us when we were in Texas. And Jackson, Idaho, your aunt and uncle are in Texas. The same thing hap- is happening in vastly different parts of the country in the U.S. and in Canada. So it made me start thinking that this is probably happening around the world, too. Right. And if it's happening even in a couple of countries, I mean, that it's not a decision that the government's making. We're talking about big central banks that are making these decisions that are controlling you know, the financial system, uh, an entirely rigged uh, economic system. And that got us onto the subject of thinking, well, that for years we've talked about how are they going to consolidate human beings into these like mega cities and resettlement zones. And we call them FEMA FEMA zones in the United States. And this is the way, I mean, you have health quarantine zones and you have people that are coming from places like California that drive the market up in a way that perhaps has never been seen before. And then you shift that interest rate. You get people out of their homes. You push people into smaller and smaller spaces and smaller and smaller communities. I mean, that's what we called Agenda 21 years ago. Now they called Agenda 2030. Uh, Whether it's the UN, the World Economic Forum, the thing is, 
you read what these people say, you listen to what they say, and it's literally a, a textbook plan for world domination. Call it a conspiracy theory, but you can go to their website. The New York Times says the World Economic Forum doesn't even exist. I don't know how they can say that, but I guess morons, you know, read that and they think, oh, okay, doesn't exist. Klaus Schwab's on TV saying you're not going to own anything because he's going to take your property, but that's okay. You know, I don't know. I'm just saying that there's, there's, a, there's a much larger uh, plan, a much larger agenda, and I think that's one of the ways you get people out of their homes. And then with all the automated services and the fear of traveling and going out, that's one of the ways you get people out of their cars. I was just wondering for years, how do you get people out of their cars? How do you get people out of their homes? Well, that's part of the way. You just do it through economic warfare. You consolidate things, and then you put people into bigger and bigger cities. And more people that come to the big cities, the more people are going to think, oh, the planet's overpopulated. We needed to do something about this. It's okay if some people die from some shots because it won't be me. It'll be the other people that die. And those people are thinking it won't be me. It'll be the other people that die. And that just turns people against each other. And it creates a very, very negative, evil world to live in. That's my opinion. <laughs> do you have any opinion otherwise? Or do you have anything that you'd like to add that might, might be a, you know, a little different than what I just said? No, I, you can definitely see that this is the trajectory that we're on as a population. People are becoming more and more reliant on automated things such as like self-driving cars. There was something like Domino's is bringing back a... They're, they're, yeah, well, they're bringing back the Noid. Mm -hmm. But they've got like, yeah, I forgot that commercial. Like it's like an automated car. driving like little pod thing that will deliver your pizza. Driverless pizza delivery. So Wonderful. Now you don't have to leave. You can just sit on the couch and eat pizzas until you're on my 600-pound life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I had mentioned um, when we were talking to Teresa that, that if people aren't able to afford their homes, then it's even more reason for people to want to have a universal income. That's right. Because if they're like, all right, we're just going to, the bubble's going to pop, everything's going to drop again, and then nobody can afford their homes, so we need money, keep giving us stimulus every month. And of course, people, they're not, they're not quote unquote essential. They're obsolete, like that episode of the Twilight Zone. So they don't have any money. They need their government stimulus checks. Mm -hmm. They need their $1,400 a month or their $2,000 a month. Sounds wonderful. You know, to me, that's kind of a lot of money. I've not taken a single dime from the government, but I, I know that for some people, that's the only option they have. Mm -hmm. And that's how the bear trap closes. Right. And then it's not their money. And then anything they spend or anything they use that money on it's not theirs it's the government's it's, the government. it's never their own money in essence it's right, all basically it. yeah it's all basically owned by a bunch of a cabal of central bankers which is you know it's interesting because when you get that money eventually and it's we're moving there very rapidly it's going to be totally digital and it's going to be on i mean they're going to have your vaccine passport your your uh all the money that you have you know your everything's going to be tracked back to your bi biometrics and those little tiny bio stamps that the Bill Gates Foundation paid for uh, that MIT developed, you can look it up, Scientific American, those little tiny stamps, they're like little microchips with microneedles that give you a vaccine, keep your vaccine information. You put everything on there, you'll have your social credit score like China, you won't be able to do anything unless you have those digits. And I find it weird, because I know a lot of Christians that are like supporting this, thinking God's going to come back, or Jesus is going to come back, and this system's going to fall apart. Those are the people that are supporting this the most that I've spoken to. And that's bizarre because this sounds like the mark of the beast. This sounds the literal like literal mark of the beast, literal yeah. mark of the beast. 
I mean, that's just, it's, that's what it sounds like. I don't care what you call it. That's what it sounds like. And I find it weird that Christians are going along with, it. I think that's because the people that are developing this system, and I've talked about this before, are playing on those religious beliefs. They're, they're, they're naming bills. Like there's a bill or there was a bill in the U S house called six, 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 where they can come to your house and take your kids or separate families based on if they determine you're sick or not. And then the, the Microsoft patent for the digital currency that's generated through the body, it's like a body-activated cryptocurrency system, that was called 666 in the patent. I think they're doing what Cortez did before he went into South America. He studied the religion of the people and then came as their god, and they just turned everything over to their god because that was their belief system. Mm-hmm. I think that's what these psychopaths are doing. They know the, the religious beliefs, and they're just playing on them. They're predators. Like, like Jack said, they're praying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. praying. What's the root word of pray? P-R-E-Y. Pray. They're praying on you. That's my view. That's what I think. Do you have anything else you want to add in the final few minutes here? Thanks for doing the show again. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Early in the morning, I was not really ready for it when I woke up. You weren't. <laughs> no. She was not ready for it. No, but... I made you coffee. The coffee, I think, has kicked in a little, a little just bit. a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Mm-hmm. I made myself breakfast. I never have breakfast. I know. I'm proud of you. Oh, you're proud of me for breakfast? Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe I'll make breakfast more often. I don't know. I don't really like breakfast that much, but... Yeah, I don't like eating first thing in the morning, but we got a busy day. We got things to do. Don't want to crash later. We got the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. Grand Canyon, Bread Rocks. We're going to get lunch at somewhere in Sedona. Um, yeah, no, I'm just really, really happy to be out here in the desert and don't want to go home. I don't want to go back to Rochester. <laughs> We're moving to the desert. We've got to move to the desert. Mm-hmm. You got to move to the we desert. Will. Where? Um, Where are we going to move? Somewhere, somewhere in Arizona. Classified. Yeah. Is it classified? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I was at uh, the Grand Canyon, I did a show about the supposed, this guy named Kincaid, who worked for the Smithsonian. They scrubbed a lot of these records. I don't know how much of this is true. It was in the newspapers in the early 20th century how he found uh, Egyptian artifacts and not just Egyptian. He found like Buddhas and other things, lots of ancient artifacts in caves in the Grand Canyon. It might've been a tabloid story at the time, but, but the Smithsonian has scrubbed a lot of it, but the guy Kincaid did work for the Smithsonian. So it's very weird. Like he did, but they scrubbed some of the records. It's kind of interesting. That's something that I, I'm, I'm going to show you today. We'll maybe read that story. Yeah. And if you've never heard of that before, it's, I'm sure most of you listening have heard of that, about the artifacts found in the Grand Canyon. There's also like a, there's a book written about how um, all the mysterious kind of like deaths and the plane crashes in the Grand Canyon because it's so big. Planes used to fly over. Yeah, and like it would the pressure just sucks it Sucks down. the plane down, just nosedive into the ground. Yeah. It, it's so big. You've never been there, right? No, I've never been there. It's so big, it looks like a painting. Mm. What's your favorite thing we've done on the trip so far? Favorite thing we've done, white sands was my favorite thing. Oh, I love the sand. So we went there, when was it? It was like Thursday last week or something. It was a few days ago. like three or four days ago, mm-hmm. yeah. But I I didn't expect to like it that much, but it was so fun. White and sands was amazing. After white sands, we went to a campground like half an hour away and just camped on the side of a mountain. It was wonderful. That was really nice. Mm-hmm. That was really nice. Uh, White Sands is probably my favorite too. As much as I like the Grand Canyon, White Sands is underrated. So underrated. They they suggest sledding. Yeah, what national like, park is like? Come play in the park, touch everything, sled. 
Yeah, well, the, the only place that they encourage that more is I was reading the uh, the pink sands in southern Utah near oh, do Zion. They encur- do they encourage it too? Not only do they encourage it, but they want you to ride motorbikes and dune buggies out mm-hmm. there. They can't do that at White Sands, but you can do that at, at that park. We're going to have to go to the, the Red Sands. Mm-hmm. That place looks awesome. Uh, I think uh, next trip. I know. we keep. I, there's so many things that I wanted to do out here and... I keep being like, it's okay. Like, we'll do it when we move out here. Keep telling myself that. I don't even, there's so much to do. Literally, you could just so much. spend weeks and weeks every day going to, to another place, another national park, state park. I mean, there, there are things like that in places like New York and on the East Coast, but this Southwest area, I don't it's know what- It's just like a hotspot for it. I don't know what God did down here, but he got this recipe right. Whatever mm-hmm. he did in New York City, that's a failure. <laughs> that's a big failure. <laughs> All right, that's, that's pretty much it. Anything else that you'd like to add? No, I just want to say stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Everybody listening out there. Stay healthy. Mm-hmm. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. That's my my good friend and fiance, Hope. And we are doing a travel log number four tonight, May 4th, 2021. You can find this show and all the other broadcasts we've done on the trip and the main show, The Secret Teachings, at www.thesecretteachings.info. You can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com and find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. Last question for you. Favorite state, least favorite state that we've been through so far? Um, favorite state, New Mexico, because White Sands and when we camped, but closely followed by Arizona. Closely followed by Florida. Uh, least favorite state? One of the, the deep south. One of the deep south it's Like New York doesn't count, but one of the, somewhere in the deep south. I didn't like driving through there. In the north though, New York. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I have to say Louisiana. I don't particularly like Louisiana. I don't, it's just there's something about that state that just gets to me. I don't mm-hmm. like it. That's me. I know. Originally, I wanted to go to New Orleans, but we were driving through. And I was like, no, 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 no. No New Orleans. We can, just, we can just keep going through. I don't know what it is about Louisiana. I'm sure a lot of it's beautiful. There are some nice parks there and a lot of nice places to go. Eh. Anywhere on the I-10. Yeah. I don't know. If I, was, if I was, was not from Florida, I don't know if I'd like Florida, if I'm being honest. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Politically now, I think I would. I like Ron DeSantis, but I don't know if I'd like it otherwise. It's so south, it's not even south. I don't know what it's a, Florida it's is. It's its own entity, for sure. Which is why people can't figure me out, because I'm I'm just a Florida man. <laughs> yeah. Which you can confirm. Yes, can confirm. I'm a Florida man. Uh, there's talk about me also being a, a real hippie. There is. Maybe we'll talk. Can we talk about that on another? Can you roast me on a show? Yeah, there will be a roast. All right. Hope's going to roast me when on a show. When we get back. When we get back, I'll do a roast. A two-hour roast? Oh, yeah. All right. There's enough content for two hours. <laughs> there's definitely enough content. From the Prius... <laughs> To the corked coffee mug I have, to the the, the mason jars, the I do have mason jars, the monkey temple shirt, the hippie shirts. Yeah, I might be a hippie. That's for another broadcast. I'm Ryan Gable. This is the Secret Teachings. That's Hope. We'll talk to you on another broadcast right here on the Fringe FM. Stay safe, stay informed, and stay healthy. And we'll be right back on the Secret Teachings the next hour. If this is the second hour, it's in the archive at thesecretteachings.info. Time's up. 
time may be up for tonight's broadcast of The Secret Teachings. But don't worry, you can still catch us Monday through Friday right here exclusively on The Fringe FM. You can also subscribe to the show and montage archive while grabbing my books at thesecretteachings.info. To get in contact with us, you can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay tuned to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.